How many New Zealanders love seeing the All Blacks win back-to-back World Cups? Yes, that was just absolutely so, so, so good. Uh, What many All Black fans don't realise is that the All Black team is the most successful sporting team of any code in the world in the history of sport. That is just absolutely, absolutely amazing. Think of another team, think of another sport, think of it, and the All Blacks absolutely just blow them away. And you would think that there would be few challenges left for them, but interestingly enough, after a World Cup loss to Australia in 2003, uh, the All Blacks drew a line in the sand and said, no more. And in 2004, they declared that they were going to start a brand new era. They declared that they were changing the culture of the team because they weren't satisfied with their current level of success, which was only a 77% win-loss ratio. So they made significant changes to their culture. They changed the way that they acted after the games. They got rid of the macho, boozy culture that they had up to that point. And the All Blacks went from a winning average in 19... 2003, from 75%, they went to 86% by 2011. And during the Steve Hansen era, they've crept up to over 90% winning versus losing. They are consistently reassessing where they're at, and working to improve their performance irrespective of what anyone else is doing. But it's interesting that it started by them declaring that they're in a new era. And I've just started a new era by saying lossing. (laughs) Did you pick that up? (laughs) Yeah, Mike, just cut that out of the... uh... (laughs) We as a church family have entered into a new era. It's a new day. And this morning, I just really want to encourage you to start believing and declaring that for yourself, for your personal life as well. Uh, The Word of God is creatively powerful. I mean, God just spoke the Word and the, the universe came into existence. So when God's words go out, things happen. Um, When Jesus spoke the word, uh, people were healed. The centurion, recognizing this, came to Jesus and asked him to heal his servant. He said, Jesus, just say the word and my servant will be healed. So when God's word goes out, things happen. They happen from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I declare. The purpose for which I sent it. 
And so you see that significant new eras start with the energized prophetic word of God. Isaiah 42, 9 says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. And that has always been the case that God speaks his word before things actually come into existence. Before Penny and I got engaged nearly 40 years ago, uh, we each heard God say to us separately, that's the one for you. And boy, did that start a new era in my life. That changed things. The old was passed away. Everything became new. When Moses died, Joshua took over and started a great new era of conquest. And we read in Joshua chapter 1 that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. So, God spoke those prophetic words. He spoke those words into Joshua's heart before they actually entered into the promised land. And then the children of Israel went in in fulfillment of that promise. We've just celebrated Christmas. The most significant new era in history happened with the birth of Jesus Christ because the world's relationship with God changed with the Old Testament passing away, the old covenant, the old relationship, the old way of doing things with God passed away and we entered into a new covenant, a new testament, a new contract with God. God always speaks through the prophets and it's significant that there were more than 300 prophetic scriptures that foretold the birth and life of Jesus Christ before it actually happened. And as a church, we've entered into a new era. I was talking with Dave Palmer a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks after the opening of Church Unlimited Whangarei, and Dave, after saying how much he was enjoying church, said, you know, something is different, but I just can't put my finger on it yet. And many of you would be sensing that, would be feeling that yourselves. There has been a shift in the heavenlies as we have walked into the plans and the purposes of God. Uh, there have been more people saved in the last six weeks than the rest of the year put together. There's been a shift in the spirit as the prophetic plans and purposes of God gain momentum. It's interesting that uh, Judy Ludlow, when she first came onto our board about what was it, five, six years ago, I think, uh, felt that God was speaking to us through Mark 2, verse 22. And it says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. And there was that sense that God was saying that there was going to be a new framework to house the moving of His Holy Spirit. And back then, I couldn't see it. I thought the framework that we had was pretty good. But God had so much more for us and that 
that verse, that prophetic word has been something which we have pursued over these years. The change came about through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was established and grounded in prayer before it came to pass, but the result has been fantastic as God has called us to be an apostolic influence. He's called us to be an arrow of truth. He's called us to win souls. We're called to ignite God's fire and power as we're called into the nation and the nations. And as part of the new era, we have a change of name. Now, when God wanted to change a person's direction or person's character, he always emphasized it with a prophetic declaration in the form of a name change. Isaiah 62 verse 2 says, You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. So we see God changing Abraham to Abraham, father of a nation. And it's interesting that he was given that name long before he ever had any kids. So every time someone called his name, Abraham, father of the nation, they were emphasizing in the spirit what God had declared would be Abraham's future. Jacob, who's a trickster, had his name changed to Israel, one who contended with God. And we know that it changed the way that he related to people, and it changed his whole outlook and his relationship with God. It's interesting that when Jacob's son was born by his wife, Rachel, because Rachel was dying, she wanted to name the boy Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. And Israel, or Jacob, didn't want that to be the name that would label that kid for the rest of his life. And so Jacob called his son Benjamin, which means strength of my right hand. And so he was. He was always his father's strength. You see Saul being changed to Paul. You see Simon uh, being changed to Peter. And so our name, Church Unlimited Fongaray, declares that we are believing for our unlimited God's prophetic destiny of unlimited blessing, unlimited praise, unlimited Holy Spirit, unlimited supernatural power, unlimited souls, unlimited expansion, unlimited healings, unlimited impact in Whangarei and New Zealand and to the nations. Every time you say church unlimited, it's a powerful prophetic declaration of what we believe God wants for us in the future. It's underlying what he's already done, but it's speaking to what he can do in and through us. So I avoid saying, see you. As cute as that is, I always want to be saying church unlimited because I want to declare God's plans and God's purposes for us. And so key verses for church unlimited and the ones that have been given to us quite a few times would be Zechariah 4 verse 6, which says, this is the word of the Lord. To Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And that's been one of the key underlying factors of Church Unlimited, that we want to be following what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. And Isaiah 54 verse 2 says, enlarge the place of your tent. 
and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And that is always a challenge to each and every one of us, especially at this time of year, to see that God is not satisfied with where we're at, but he wants us as individuals to get a vision of what God can do in and through our lives in the future and begin to make plans to follow what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. So now this new day, this new era, is not just for the church as an entity, but it's for the people of the church. Because we are the church. We are the family of God. And God wants to move us and wants to move in us and through us to a greater measure than he has ever done before. I really sense that God wants every Christian to be stepping into their calling with a greater anointing. I mean, how many would like that? As you look back at last year, how many think that it would be so good if you had greater anointing to be able to fulfill the plans and purposes of God? Amen? Okay, if you can receive it, and if you can believe it, you'll walk into this era with us. But you have to intentionally pursue this day. You have to intentionally look for it, as there are people and groups in the Bible that completely miss God's plans and God's purposes for their life. We all know of the children of Israel and the Moses who refused to go into the promised land as they saw the problems as being more powerful than our limitless God and his promises. Some of you Bible scholars will know the succession line of prophets. So you had Elijah, and who was next? Elisha, and who was next? Blank. Okay. Who was supposed to be next? No. <laughs> Gehazi. There was Elijah, Elisha, and it was supposed to be Gehazi, Elijah's servant. He was being positioned. He was being set up as the, the next of the big three. But then he got greedy and took money off Naaman and missed his opportunity to walk into the plans and the purposes of God. And Jesus, looking at Jerusalem, says he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. So the whole city missed out on the plans and the purposes of God for them because they did not recognize the time, the day of their visitation. It's so important, people, to recognize the season that we're in. So how can we make sure that we have the best chance of not missing the new era. I would hate to get to the end of my life and look back and think, oh, how I missed it. 
And I guarantee you would too. So what are some keys this morning about how we can make sure that we don't miss what God is wanting to do? Well, number one, I reckon the, the, the number one, the most important thing that we can do to make sure that we stay in the plans and purposes of God is just to stay close to God. It's so simple to say, but the reality of a number of us get too busy we go off doing this, we go off doing that, and we miss out on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But everything rests on your personal relationship with God. You can be in a place where God is moving and God is speaking and be completely oblivious to the move of the Spirit and God's voice if you don't keep your relationship with God fresh. There's a really interesting situation in uh, John chapter 12. And it says this in verse 27. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is Jesus praying. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. How many people here have heard the audible voice of God? Yeah, I, I have twice. You know, normally God, God speaks to me from inside to without. But I was a, at a black power funeral uh, one day when God spoke to me. He said, how many more young men will die before you'll preach my word? That was a voice that came from without. To within. And that changed my life. That completely changed the direction that I was heading in. In this situation here, God has thundered from heaven. He's spoken. The disciples who were close, close to Jesus heard God speak, but the crowd, the crowd, well, some said it had thundered. Others said that perhaps an angel had spoken to him. But they didn't hear the voice of God, so the crowd completely missed the moment. If you can consistently hear God's voice, you'll never miss out on what he is doing. But to consistently hear God's voice, you need to keep close to God and have an attitude of hungering and thirsting for more of him. Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you're going to be filled. In other words, if your heart is for more of God, if you make that your desire, then you're going to find that God will speak to you when he needs to speak to you. In, in my situation, I was walking in one direction, had a great life, everything was going well. God speaks to me and suddenly I'm going in 180 degrees, completely a different direction. But God knew that if he spoke the word, I would hear it. Make 2016 a year of pursuing God and his plans and purposes for you. See, when you hunger for more of God, the analogy is he fills you. But if, you're, if you fill your life with things of the world, there won't be any room left for God. But... When you fill your life with God, he makes room for all the other stuff. It's amazing how that works. Put him first and all the other stuff is added. And that's my testimony. That's my wife's testimony. That's our family's testimony. So secondly, 
take time to see what God's doing in this area. Take time. Just take a step back and have a look. Have a see. Look at what he's doing. Not just in our church here, but look at what he's doing. Wider. What is he doing in the city? What is he doing in the nation? What is he doing in the nation? Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know how to interpret the appearance of the day, the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. What he was saying was, hey, you people know red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. They know that, but you can't tell what's happening in the spirit. God not only wants to pour out his spirit on us, but he's already doing it. He not only wants to, us to be a channel of his blessing, but he's actually already doing it. You know, history tells us that we can be in the middle of a revival and not even know about it. When Penny and I joined Hamilton AOG in 1974, the Hamilton AOG was about half the size of this church. But we eventually saw hundreds of people saved every year and 100 people added to the church every year for a decade. So we grew from a pretty small church to one of the larger churches in the country uh, in a decade. But it was interesting. We saw hundreds healed, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. We had miracles. We had a great anointing in the meetings. We were in revival. But we thought that was just the norm. This term, the charismatic renewal or the charismatic revival, is just a term that theologians have given after the fact to describe what was happening during that season. We were just living church. We just thought this is, this, this is the norm. This is how it's supposed to be. We didn't realize that we were in a special season of God's grace. You know, there's a greater sense of the presence of God in our city today than there was back in Hamilton in those days. There's a greater sense in our meetings today than there was back during the charismatic revival. We've had more significant miracles, I think, in this church in the last year than we saw uh, right at the height of the charismatic renewal when we were seeing, as a church, 360 to 400 people saved a year. So, if that's what's happening, we need to recognize the signs of the times and respond. Uh, Jesus said to the disciples, don't say there's four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And as many of you will be able to testify, people are really open today to hearing about God. People are really open today to receiving from God. They are not aggro. All you have to do is start talking. You know, I think the main difference between today and yesteryear when we were in the height of the charismatic renewal is I think back then there were more people gossiping the gospel than there are today. I think as, a, as church people, we were always out talking about Jesus. And I think we've lost that ability to be normal people and speak the truth of the Word of God into people's situations and circumstances in a way that won't offend them, but in a way that will draw them closer 
to God. And that's something which we need to recapture. So thirdly, what do we need to do? We need to respond to what God is doing. So it's not enough just to see what God is doing, but we need to actually respond to it. I love the curiosity of Moses when he is tending his flock at the backside of the desert. And in Exodus chapter three, it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. My oldest grandson, Ezra, is really curious about things. He wants to know how things work. He's always studying things. He's always pulling things to pieces, etc. That's the sort of attitude that we need to have in the things of God. We need to be curious about the things of God. We need to see things and think, I wonder how that works. I wonder what's happening there. What's happening in this situation, this or circumstance. In that situation with Moses, it wasn't until Moses went across and looked at the burning bush that God then spoke to him. If Moses had just stood where he was and said, oh, that's interesting, and went across tending the sheep, he would have missed the opportunity. But because... He moved because he thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. That's when God spoke to him. And we need to have that curiosity about the things of God so that we're always looking to see what God is doing and how we can respond to what he's doing. Take every opportunity to respond to God and develop a responsive heart, a heart of a learner, a heart that always says, here am I, God, use me. One thing that we can do to prepare our hearts is to respond to God through prayer. And Hosea 10 verse 12 says, break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Isaiah 55 verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he's near. People, we're in a time where God's near. We're not in a time like you see between the Testaments, the New and the Old Testament, where it's like the heavens were like brass, where people prayed, there hadn't been any visitation, there hadn't been any any prophetic word for hundreds of years. We're not in that time. We're in a time where God is actually near. We're at a time where we can call upon God and he answers us. We're at a time where we're experiencing the prophetic word, we're experiencing the plans and purposes of God coming to pass, and this is a time where more than any other time, we should be calling on Him, we should be praying, we should be asking Him to come. We're in a season where God can be found and experienced. We can pray, God, I need you. God, I want more of you. God, I'm dull of hearing. Please open my ears so I can hear you more clearly. I'm thirsty and dry without you and your presence in my life. But we can also pray for the Father, for the harvest. We can intercede for breakthrough and reiterate our calling and the prophetic words that have been given to us. Every one of us can stand in the gap for somebody else. 
and get a breakthrough for somebody else who can't get a breakthrough for themselves. But we need to respond to what God's doing and we need to take it on for ourselves and begin to say, okay, God, here am I, use me. Now I'm gonna stand in the gap for that person and I'm gonna call upon heaven. I'm gonna make sure that God, you hear my prayer and move to bring that person into your kingdom. Number five, look for opportunities to use what you've already been given. At a time of visitation, God will breathe on the little and cause there to be much. But he always starts with what you have and not what you don't have. Be available. A few loaves and fishes will touch and feed a multitude. You know, I've been in meetings where the Spirit of God has just swept over and we've seen fantastic healings. And I always rejoice in every person that gets saved, every healing testimony that I hear. But for me personally, the greatest healings that have occurred have been when God in His grace has actually used me. And I've prayed for somebody and they've got healed. And I think, how amazing is that? That God, you would actually flow through me. A lot of you haven't experienced that. Do you know how you experience it? You actually go and pray for somebody. And when you go and pray for somebody, God steps in. And the one thing that I've found is that the majority of people who don't know Jesus Christ that I've prayed for, for healing, have been healed straight away because God uses it as a sign to the unsaved. So all my staff here are saved. So it doesn't give me many opportunities to pray for unsaved staff. Aren't you pleased that? You know, Stephen's just saved. Mike at the back there, he's saved, I think. Uh, Penny, well, she was saved before me. Uh, so, but the reality is, out in the workplace, God's placed you where you are so that his kingdom can come and his will can be done through you. And he doesn't want you always to call up the pastor or the pastoral staff and say, hey, would you come and pray for my unsaved friend or whatever? He wants you to step out because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you as well as in me. And he can use you if you would step out and trust him. So let your faith rise as you see God moving. People who are being saved right now can impact the nations because revival starts one soul at a time. Let's have the musicians. Some of you are on your way to Kawakawa, up north, will have passed a little signpost which says, Wyomio Glowworm Caves. Do you realize that in the late 50s, there was an amazing revival that happened in Wyomio? Ray Blomfield, who was the senior minister at the LSE Christian Center, and Frank Houston decided that they would go up to that little town and they would hold some healing meetings amongst the Maori folk there. Now, they were going up for a couple of days of meetings, but while they were there, the Holy Spirit fell. And the Holy Spirit so impacted that community that every house in the valley 
got touched by the Holy Spirit and everyone got saved. Everyone except for one Mormon family gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. And it was an amazing, amazing time. And they carried on that two-week revival. They kept on coming up for a number of years. When you have a look at the history books regarding that, a lot of the historians will say that that revival petered out because there wasn't sufficient follow-up of the people that were there. But what they don't mention is that amongst the people that got saved in Wyomio was a really, really, really young kid called Brian. And that Wyomio crusade was a turning point in Brian's life. And I know that because he told me. Brian went with his father to Australia many years later. And Brian, who had the call of God on his heart, ended up planting a little church in northwest of Sydney called Hills Christian Life Centre. And Hills Christian Life Centre became Hillsong Church. And when I was talking to Brian Houston uh, a number of years back, Brian said to me, you know, Don, he said, Wyomio, he said, that's the place that I got saved. One little crusade, one little kid with the power of God on him, Hillsong Church would be probably the most influential church in the world at its roots in the Wyomio Crusade. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Who knows what God can do? Yeah, come on, give the Lord a clap. That's amazing, eh? Who knows what God can do through you? Who knows what God could do when it gets a hold of your children's hearts and your children's lives? How many more hill songs are waiting to be birthed in the children of our city as the Holy Spirit comes and begins to touch and to heal and set them apart for the plans and the purpose of God?